Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking you through secondary amenorrhea and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash secondary amenorrhea or in the gynecology section of the Zero to Finals obstetrics and gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Secondary amenorrhea is defined as no menstruation for more than three months after previously having regular menstrual periods. Consider assessment and investigation after three to six months without periods. In women with previously infrequent irregular periods, consider investigating after six to 12 months. So what are the causes of secondary amenorrhea? The most common cause is pregnancy, so it's always worth doing a pregnancy test. Other causes are menopause and premature ovarian failure, which is early menopause, hormonal contraception, such as the intrauterine system or Mirena coil, or the progesterone-only pill, hypothalamic or pituitary pathology, ovarian causes, such as polycystic ovarian syndrome, uterine pathology, such as Asherman syndrome, thyroid pathology, and hyperprolactinemia. The hypothalamus reduces the production of gonadotrophin-releasing hormone, or GnRH, in response to significant physiological or psychological stress. And this leads to hypogonadotropic hypogonadism and amenorrhea. Essentially, a lot of stress on the body or psychological stress can cause the hypothalamus to stop secreting hormones that then result in the absence of the normal menstrual cycle. The hypothalamus responds in this way to prevent pregnancy in situations where the body may not be fit for it. For example, with excessive exercise, think of this in athletes, low body weight and eating disorders, chronic disease and significant psychological stress. The pituitary gland can also cause secondary amenorrhea when there's pathology such as pituitary tumours, particularly prolactin-secreting prolactinomas, and pituitary failure secondary to trauma, radiotherapy, surgery, or a condition called Sheehan syndrome. Let's talk about hyperprolactinemia. A hyperlactin level acts on the hypothalamus to prevent the release of GnRH. Without GnRH, there's no release of LH and FSH, and this causes the menstrual cycle to stop. This causes hypogonadotropic hypogonadism and only 30% of women with a high prolactin level will have galactorrhea, which is breast milk production and secretion. The most common cause of hyperprolactinemia is a pituitary adenoma that secretes prolactin. Where there are high prolactin levels, a CT or MRI scan of the brain is used to assess for a pituitary tumour. Often there is a microadenoma that will not appear on the initial scan and follow-up scans are required to identify tumours that develop in size later. Often no treatment is required for hyperprolactinemia. Dopamine agonists such as bromocryptine or carbergoline can be used to reduce prolactin production. These medications treat hyperprolactinemia and they're also used for Parkinson's disease and acromegaly. Let's talk about assessment of secondary amenorrhea and this involves taking a detailed history and examination to assess for potential causes, doing hormonal blood tests, 
and an ultrasound of the pelvis particularly to look for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Let's talk about the hormonal blood tests. Beta-human chorionic gonadotropin or HCG in the urine or a blood test are required in order to diagnose or rule out a pregnancy which remember is the most common cause of secondary amenorrhea. Luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone blood tests can also be performed. A high FSH suggests primary ovarian failure or early menopause. A high LH or a raised LH to FSH ratio suggests polycystic ovarian syndrome. Prolactin can be measured to assess for hyperprolactinemia, which can be followed up by an MRI scan to diagnose a pituitary tumour. Thyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, can be used to screen for thyroid pathology. And this is followed up by T3 and T4 when the TSH is abnormal. A raised TSH and a low T3 and T4 indicate hypothyroidism, and a low TSH and a raised T3 and T4 indicate hyperthyroidism. We can also check testosterone and other androgens, and a raised testosterone can indicate polycystic ovarian syndrome, androgen insensitivity syndrome, or congenital adrenal hyperplasia. But usually a raised testosterone and raised androgen indicate polycystic ovarian syndrome. Let's talk about management. Management of secondary amenorrhea involves establishing and treating the underlying cause. Where necessary, replacement hormones can induce menstruation and improve symptoms, for example using the combined oral contraceptive pill. A quick Tom tip for you, it's worth remembering that women with polycystic ovarian syndrome require a withdrawal bleed every three to four months to reduce the risk of endometrial hyperplasia and ultimately endometrial cancer. Medroxyprogesterone for 14 days or regular use of the combined oral contraceptive pill can be used to stimulate a withdrawal bleed. Finally, let's talk about osteoporosis in women with secondary amenorrhea. Patients with amenorrhea associated with low estrogen levels are at increased risk of osteoporosis. Where the amenorrhea lasts more than 12 months, treatment is indicated to reduce the risk of osteoporosis. And this involves ensuring adequate vitamin D and calcium intake and also hormonal replacement therapy or the combined oral contraceptive pill to replace the estrogen that's missing from the normal menstrual cycle. Thanks for listening to this episode on secondary amenorrhea. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And hope you join us for the next episode, which will be on premenstrual syndrome.